Over the years, I've learned that there's a lot more going on around me in this world than I naturally see. I, as it turns out, I'm not all that observant. I've had to, over the years, intentionally train myself to increase my level of awareness, how much I'm observing, and nowhere is this more seen than in my marriage. As it turns out, there's more going on with my wife, Roxanne, than I naturally see. And I have to tell you, this is really quite weird. But as it turns out, what she says isn't always what she means. Has anybody ever observed that? Any of you in relationships? Oh, I, I have to tell you, if I'm not paying attention in my marriage, I can get in some serious trouble. Have and do. But this isn't just a relational issue, this issue of paying attention. And in order to, to emphasize this point, we actually tried to bring in a, in a guy, uh, his name is Apollo Robbins. We wanted to bring him to Northridge. We like to do unique things and special things. And it would have been unique to have him here because he's an internationally known pickpocket. And we wanted to teach you about the idea of paying attention or you're going to experience loss. But he, he couldn't make it on this particular weekend here to Northridge. And so what we've decided to do is we're going to show his, his TED Talk video. And if you think about it, we're probably safer watching him on video than we would have been with him live. But, but to make the most of this so that you can really get the point, I, I want to encourage you to to act as if he's live here. Play along with what he's asking you to do. Participate in what he did in his live TED Talk, and I think you'll find what you learn is amazing. Do you think it's possible to control someone's attention? Even more than that, what about predicting human behavior? I think those are interesting ideas, if you could. I mean, for me, that'd be the perfect superpower. <laughs> Actually, kind of an evil way of approaching it. But for myself, in the past, I've spent the last 20 years studying human behavior from a rather unorthodox way, picking pockets. When we think of misdirection, we think of something as looking off to the side when actually it's often the things that are right in front of us that are the hardest things to see, the things that you look at every day that you're blinded to. For example, how many of you still have your cell phones on you right now? Great. Double check, make sure you still have them on you. I was doing some shopping beforehand. <laughs> now, you've looked at them probably a few times today, but I'm going to ask you a question about them. Without looking at your cell phone directly yet, can you remember the icon in the bottom right corner? Bring them out, check, and see how accurate you were. How'd you do? Show of hands, did we get it? Now that you're done looking at those, close them down. Because every phone has something in common, no matter how you organize the icons, you still have a clock on the front. So without looking at your phone, what time was it? You just looked at your clock, right? It's an interesting idea. Now I'll ask you to take that a step further with a game of trust. Close your eyes. I, I realize I'm asking you to do that while you just heard there's a pickpocket in the room. But close your eyes. Now, you've been watching me for about 30 seconds. With your eyes closed, what am I wearing? Make your best guess. What color is my shirt? What color is my tie? Now open your eyes. By show of hands, were you right? It's interesting, isn't it? Some of us are a little bit more perceptive than others. It seems that way. But I have a different theory about that, that model of attention. They have fancy models of attention, Posner's trendy model of attention. For me, I like to think of it very simple, like a surveillance system. It's kind of uh, like you have all these fancy sensories, and inside your brain is a little security guard. For me, I like to call him Frank. So Frank is sitting at a desk. He's got all sorts of cool information in front of him, high-tech equipment. He's got cameras, he's got a little phone that he can pick up, listen to the ears, all these senses, all these perceptions. But attention is what steers your perceptions, is what controls your reality. It's the gateway to the mind. If you don't attend to something, you can't be aware of it. But ironically, you can attend to something without being aware of it. That's why there's the cocktail effect. When you're in a party, you're having conversations with someone, and yet you can recognize your name, and you didn't even realize you were listening to that. Now, for my job, I have to play with techniques to exploit this, to play with your attention as a limited resource. So if I could control how you spend your attention, if I could maybe steal your attention through a distraction. Now, instead of doing it like misdirection and throwing off to the side, 
Instead, what I choose to focus on is Frank, to be able to play with the Frank inside your head, your little security guard, and get you, instead of focusing on your external senses, just to go internal for a second. So if I ask you to access a memory, like, what is that? What just happened? Do you have a wallet? Do you have an American Express in your wallet? And when I do that, your Frank turns around. He accesses the file. He has to rewind the tape. And what's interesting is he can't rewind the tape at the same time that he's trying to process new data. Now, I mean, this sounds like a good theory, but I could talk for a long time and tell you lots of things, and they may be true, a portion of them. But I think it's better if I tried to show that to you here live. So, uh, if I come down, I'm going to do a little bit of shopping. Just hold still where you are. <laughs> Hello, how are you? It's lovely to see you. You did a wonderful job on stage. You have a lovely watch that doesn't come off very well. Do you have your ring as well? Good, just taking inventory. You're like a buffet. It's hard to tell where to start. There's so many great things. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Hi, sir, could you stand up for me, please? Just right where you are. Oh, you're married. You follow the directions well. That's nice to meet you, sir. You don't have a whole lot inside your pockets. Anything down by the pocket over here? Hopefully so. Have a seat. There you go. You're doing well. Hi, sir. How are you? Good. Good to see you, sir. You have a ring, a watch. Do you have a wallet on you? I don't. Uh, well, we'll find one for you. Come on up this way, Joe. <laughs> Give Joe a round of applause. Come on up, Joe. Let's play a game. <laughs> Pardon me. Don't think that you need this clicker anymore. You can have that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Come on up to the stage, Joe. Let's play a little game. Now, do you have anything in your front pockets? Money. Money. All right, let's try that. <laughs> can you stand right over this way for me? Turn around and let's see. If I give you something that belongs to me, this is just something, uh, a half uh, poker chip. Hold out your hand for me. Watch it kind of close. Now, this is a task for you to focus on. Now, you have your money in your front pocket here. Good. I'm not going to actually put my hand in your pocket. I'm not ready for that kind of commitment. One time a guy had a hole in his pocket, and that was rather traumatizing. <laughs> I was looking for his wallet, and he gave me his phone number. It was a big miscommunication. So <laughs> let's do this simply. Squeeze your hand. Squeeze it tight. Do you feel the poker chip in your hand? I do. Would you be surprised if I could take it out of your hand? Say yes? Very. Good. Open your hand. Thank you very much. I'll cheat if you give me a chance. <laughs> Make it harder for me. Just use your hand. Grab my wrist, but squeeze. Squeeze firm. Did you see it go? No, it's not here. Open your hand. See, while we're focused on the hand, it's sitting on your shoulder right now. Go ahead and take it off. Now, let's try that again. Hold your hand out flat. Open it up all the way. Put your hand up a little bit higher, but watch it close there, Joe. See, if I did it slowly, it'd be back on your shoulder. <laughs> Joe, we're going to keep doing this till you catch it. You're going to get it eventually. I have faith in you. Squeeze firm. Squeeze. You're human. You're not slow. It's back on your shoulder. You were focused on your hand, that's why you were distracted. While you were watching this, I couldn't quite get your watch off, it was difficult. Yeah. Yet you had something inside your front pocket. Do you remember what it was? Money. Check your pocket, see if it's still there. Is it still there? <laughs> oh, that's where it was. Go ahead and put it away. We're just shopping. This trick's more about the timing, really. I'm going to try to push it inside your hand. Put your other hand on top for me, would you? <laughs> it's amazingly obvious now, isn't it? It looks a lot like the watch I was wearing, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, thanks. But it's only a start. Let's try it again a little bit differently. Hold your hands together. Put your other hand on top. Now, if you're watching this little token, this obviously has become a little target. It's like a red herring. If we watch this kind of close, it looks like it goes away. It's not back on your shoulder. It falls out of the air, lands right back in the hand. Did you see it go? It's funny. You've got a little guy, he's union. He works up there all day. If I did it slowly, if it goes straight away, it lands down by your pocket. I believe, is it in this pocket, sir? No, don't reach in your pocket. That's a different show. Uh, sorry, that's rather strange. They have shots for that. Can I show him what that is? That's rather bizarre. Is this yours, sir? I have no idea how that works. We'll just send that over there. That's great. I need help with this one. Step over this way for me. Now, don't run away. You had something down by your pants pocket. I was checking mine. I couldn't find everything. But I noticed you had something here. I feel the outside of your pocket for a moment. Down here, I noticed this. Is this something of yours, sir? Is this... I had no idea. That's a shrimp. <laughs> yeah, saving it for later. <laughs> You've entertained all these people in a wonderful way. <laughs> Better than you know. So we'd love to give you this lovely watch as a gift. <laughs> Hopefully it matches his taste. Uh, but also, we have a couple of other things. A little bit of cash. Yeah. And then we have a few other things. These all belong to you, along with a big round of applause from all your friends. Joe, thank you very much. So, same question I asked you before, 
But this time you don't have to close your eyes. What am I wearing? Attention is a powerful thing. Like I said, it shapes your reality. Thank you. It's amazing, isn't it? I just, right up front and be honest about this, how many of you saw him change his clothes right in front of you? Raise your hand. Uh, one, two people, it looks like, in thousands. And it happened at the very beginning when he was going up on the platform. I mean, he took off his dress shirt, he took off his tie, he put on that other thing, and he did the whole thing right in front of you, and you didn't notice it. Because, you see, attention really does create your perception. What you pay attention to is the gateway to your mind, and we think we have things figured out, whether there's a God or not, whether, whether the Bible's true or not. We think we have all this stuff figured out, but, but just a little change and shift in our attention, and it can sway the entire thing. So if we're not paying attention, if we allow someone or something to distract us, it can significantly throw us off. It can significantly hurt us. It can cause us to be robbed of everything we're looking for in life without knowing it. We, we can have our watch stolen off our wrist right away. We can have our life stolen out from under us if we're not careful. This is a powerful reality, this idea of awareness, of paying attention in every area of our lives, but nowhere is it more powerful than in our spiritual lives. There's more going on around us than what we naturally see. And like Jesus, we have, to, we have to look beyond the seen to the unseen, which is the idea of this entire series. I, I want to kick off this weekend with another truth. And the truth is simply this. If, if we really do view this world as Jesus did, as Jesus taught us, if we, if we take Jesus' unseen view of, this, view of this world, we're going to develop a constant awareness of evil and its influence in our lives. We're going to be aware of evil, of, of this force, of this evil personage that's trying to rob us, to deter us, to distract us, to, to steal from us, and, and we'll be aware that every single day its influence is plaguing us in our life because this is what Jesus taught us. This is how Jesus instructed us to see and to live. In fact, so powerful is it that when he was teaching us how to pray, in Matthew chapter 6, when he was teaching us how to set our lives up spiritually in relationship with God, to, to have a conversation with God, he taught us to always keep this in mind. He said, yeah, pray our Father in heaven. You know, recognize the unseen reality of God in our lives. Recognize that he's the greatest reality and force in the world. Hallowed be his name. He's the one he's, that's in control. He's the one who's able. Yeah, set that up. But don't forget to always pray on a daily basis in your conversation with God. Look at Matthew 6, 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you have Jesus' view of this world, you're going to, you're going to cultivate an awareness that the evil one is present and he's seeking to take you down. He's seeking to disrupt your life. He's seeking to destroy you and, and he can do it without you even knowing it. There are people whose lives have been destroyed. Some of us, our lives have been totally taken out from under us because we have been thrown off by the influences of the evil one and we don't even believe he exists. It's like we don't think that someone could ever take a watch off of our wrist. But it could happen to any one of us. Attention's the gateway. This happened to Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus. He really was sincere in his love for Jesus. He was really, really committed to Jesus. But he... He didn't stay aware of the evil influence in his life. He thought he had a handle on it. He, he wasn't aware that he could be taken down without even knowing it. And Jesus was teaching him, you've got to stay aware. You've got to pay attention. But, but he didn't. And as a result, he denied Jesus three times. Even though he said he'd never deny him, that he'd stand. He'd die for Jesus. But he denied him three times. He even made the public declaration, I love you, Jesus, more than everybody else. And don't we do this? I love Jesus. I'm a believer. I'm faithful. I'd never fall. And it's exactly what Peter did. And you know what Peter did? He fell three times because he allowed his attention to be thrown off. And Later, when he was writing to people like us in his day, look what he says in 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It can happen to you. It happens to me. And 
A lion has no easier job taking out prey than when the prey doesn't know the lion's there. And that's exactly what's going on in the world these days. It, it happens to me, it happens to you, and it can happen to all of us. But when we see, as Jesus sees, the unseen view of the world, we'll develop a constant awareness of the reality of this evil. And, and we'll know it's daily trying to influence us and wear us down. We'll be self-controlled. We'll be alert. Because he really is trying to destroy. But I think we need to break it down a little bit further. If we really do view the world as Jesus teaches us to view it, the, through the eyes of the unseen realities that he tells us about, then we will have a belief in and an awareness of the devil. I mean, we'll really believe in the devil and, and we'll be aware of, of his intentions in our life, of him trying to take us down. Even Jesus discovered this. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to understand we're going to experience the same thing Jesus experienced. And what did he experience? The devil, the evil one, seeking to destroy him, tempting him. And obviously he stood to the test, but, but we often don't. We don't even have an awareness that he's trying to take us down. We don't even know he's in our presence. Roxanne and I were in Barcelona one time, and Las Ramblas is a place that's the highest occurrences of pickpockets in all of the world. 300 thefts every single day are reported, Las Ramblas. I mean, it's highly organized, and we knew it going in, and so, you know, we had padlocks all around everything in our lives. We were walking around like this and holding on, but we watched... And it was obvious how these people were coming along and they were causing people to be distracted and as a result, purses were going and wallets were going. It was a crazy gig going on there. And it happens day after day after day with people who have heard that it goes on and they still lose their purses and they still lose their wallets. And isn't it something? It's just like our lives. We're not aware. It's really important. This is why at the very beginning of the Bible, and I'm telling you, we in 21st century people, we're, we're just not really aware of the reality of this evil influencer called the devil and how he's trying to take us down. But if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're really going to follow him, you have to understand from beginning to end in his word, the devil's a reality in his influence and his destructive capacities. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, and we find that the whole fall of mankind, the whole tragedy of darkness in this world came about as a result of the influences, the temptations of this evil one. And Adam and Eve were unaware and, and they fell. They knew the truth, but they were distracted and they fell. And we do the same thing because we're unaware. Look at the story, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? See what he's doing? He's going, did God really say that? And he goes, you'll not surely die. He's misdirecting. He's trying to convert the attention to something else so she'll fall. And, and he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When we really see the unseen realities that Jesus teaches us, we'll, we'll really have an awareness of the reality of the devil and his influence. And here's, here's what you need to know. You'll believe it. And here's what you need to know about him. Let me break down Genesis 3 for you. The first thing you need to know is that Satan is a master deceiver. And you'll know it. You'll know he's better at deceiving you than you are at understanding the deception. This guy was waiting for his watch to be taken. And he didn't know his watch was taken with with Apollo, and the same thing happens with us with the evil one. He's a master deceiver. He's better at deceiving than you are at recognizing it. He's better at deceiving than you are at standing up to it. You've got to understand this on the front end. I mean, this is a big deal. His temptation of Eve shows his strategy for deceiving us. I mean, it's obvious. The first thing he does is he disguises himself. He didn't come as a as a guy with pointy ears and a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork, right? Which isn't how he looks at all anyway, but he, he came as a serpent, a natural part of the created beings. He was, he was in the garden. Then he seeks to make good look bad and bad look good. Do you notice it's a, that, that tree, did he really say it was bad? I don't think he really said it was bad. It wasn't really bad. You don't really think that tree's bad. Look at that tree. It's a really good tree. And he was trying to make what God said was good look bad and what what God said was bad look good. That's exactly what he was doing. He was trying to mess with her. And then, and then the last part of his strategy is he tries to make what's true look false. And 
what's false look true. And I'm telling you, this is exactly what's going on in the world today. There are all kinds of people who are saying, you know, what God said was good is bad, and what God said is bad is good, and what God said is true is false, and what God said is false is true, and, and it's because they've already been pickpocketed by the evil one as it relates to their attention. It's destroying their lives. He's a master deceiver. And just know this, those who believe him feel really good about it when they're buying. Eve saw that tree and she says, man, that looks good. That looks better than any other fruit that God gave us. And it's going to open my eyes and it's going to make my life better. And this is how we are with the master deceiver. We, we think, oh man, that feels good because I've always wanted to be this way. But, but, you know, all that religious talk said I shouldn't. But now I know it's okay to be this way. The world's telling me it's okay that bad's good and good's bad. And it's, it's okay for me to do these things. It's not wrong after all. I feel like doing it. It'll make me happy. And it feels really good on the front end. But in the end, you know what happens? You get pickpocketed, you, you get deceived, and it messes you up, just like it did Eve. Those who believe him get messed up. This is why we should take the description of him in Revelation 12, verse 9, very seriously. It says, that ancient, ancient serpent called the devil, that ancient serpent called Satan, is the one who leads the whole world astray. It's a mess. Not only is he a master deceiver, but you need to know something else that so few of us recognize. He, he masquerades as God's representative. I mean, he, he puts on a mask and masquerades as if he's really representing God and your best interests, and, and he's a messenger of Jesus. I mean, look at how 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says it, verses 13 and 14, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as messengers or apostles of Christ, and, and no wonder they do this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Because we aren't aware of this, when we see something or someone that looks and sounds really spiritual, we actually believe automatically it's from God. They're from God. But you need to be careful. You need to really check it out because, and I hope you'll get this, more often than not, the most dangerous influences in the world don't look like the most dangerous influences in the world. I saw that video of Apollo and I thought, this guy must be like a Cambridge grad or an Oxford grad or a Harvard grad. He's classy dude. He's a pickpocket. And this is exactly how it is. Satan loves to make you think he's representing your best interest. He's representing God. And how can we detect the danger? How can we identify the masquerade? Well, by how it does or doesn't line up with God's truth. Now listen to me. Sadly, there are a lot of things these days that look and sound spiritual, but they are absolutely contrary to God's truth. They look spiritual and sound spiritual. They're spiritual-looking podcasts. They're spiritual-looking television programs. They're spiritual-looking books, and they sound so great, and they make us feel good because they tell us we can have exactly what we want and what we feel, and we can go for it, and it's not wrong after all. And you know what happens? It destroys our lives because attention is the gateway to the mind and they divert our attention and they destroy us. We need to be aware. He's not just a master deceiver and he doesn't just masquerade as an angel of light. You have to understand, and this is so important, his only mission, his entire mission is to rob us of the life that God created for us. That's his mission. He came to Eve and he told her everything she wanted to hear. You know that tree that you've been looking at? It's awesome. And what God said isn't really true. That's, he said it was bad, but it's really good. He's trying to hold out on you. And if, if you eat that, I'm telling you, everything will come together for you. And this is exactly what's going on in our lives these days. If, if you just go with your feelings, if go with your gut, go with what you want to do, go with what feels good in the moment, everything will be okay. But you need to know his one mission is to destroy you. His mission isn't to make your life better. When he was coming to Eve in the garden, was he trying to make her life better or worse? Okay, that was helpful for three of us. Uh, so maybe we could have more people playing along just for a minute. When he came to Eve in the garden, was he trying to make her life better or worse? 
And the same is true with us. We need to be aware of this. His mission isn't to help us. His mission is to hurt us. Jesus said it in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief, the evil one. Once again, if you have Jesus' view of the world, you'll see the unseen realities of this evil one trying to destroy you. And he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not aware, he'll rob us blind. And I need to say this. I just need to say it. Sadly, this is exactly what's happening to so many of us these days. We're allowing him to divert our attention away from the truth, allowing him to distract us, to get us to accept something as good that God's made clear as bad, and it's destroying us. You might be in the feel-good moment of doing what you want right now, but it is going to take you down, and I'm telling you, don't let him do it. If we really do have Jesus' view of the unseen realities of this world, if we follow Jesus' teaching, then, then we're going to have an awareness of evil's hold on this world. We're going to have an awareness of evil's hold on this world. We won't be surprised by it. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God. Remember, those of us by faith who know Jesus Christ, we can know that we're children of the unseen God, our Father in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray. You're the one in control. You're the one that's worthy of worship. But it doesn't just stop there. We'll know that we are children of God and that the whole world that doesn't trust Jesus, the whole world that doesn't follow Jesus is under the control of the evil one. The whole world. We'll be able to see when we have an awareness of evil's hold, when we see the unseen realities through Jesus' eyes, we'll be able to see the unseen influence of the evil one and in the happenings and the events of our world. We'll, we'll read and watch and understand the news differently. And can I just give you just one example? This week we experienced the tragic, tragic news and reality of the Florida shooting. I mean, the the unimaginable loss of 17 innocents' lives. When we're genuinely aware of the unseen influence of evil, we, we won't be surprised when evil happens. We won't be confused or frustrated when evil happens. We won't start to question God and his goodness when evil happens. We'll understand exactly what's going on. People are being deceived once again and being thrown off. And I have to tell you, this, this reality literally changed my life. I was having a conversation with my dad, I mean, some three decades ago, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I was really messed up by all the darkness in the world. I, was, I couldn't get my eyes off it. It's like, I can't. And I, I said to him one time, I said, Dad, I just, I mean, it's really messing me up. Why is there so much darkness in this world? Why is there so much evil in this world? Why is there so much junk? I mean, you know, God's good and all this stuff's going on. And, and my dad said, no, you're looking at it all the wrong way. He goes, the question isn't why is there so much evil and darkness in the world? The better question is, why isn't there more? And he said, here's what you need to understand. He goes, all of us have been deceived by the evil one. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are messed up. And, and we shouldn't start questioning the reality of God when we see evil in this world. We should start understanding the reality of God when we see any light and when we see any love and when we see any goodness because the only reason there's any light in this world of darkness is because Jesus left heaven and brought it down here and he's influencing us right now. And he said the only reason there's any light in this world is because God is restraining evil from not owning more of it. He says, so you should stop questioning God when you see darkness and you should start believing in him when you see any light at all. And it turned me upside down. And so we need to be aware of the unseen realities that are going on. Now, I need to say this. It doesn't, it doesn't make tragic news like the Florida shooting any less upsetting. It doesn't make it any less horrifying. It doesn't make it any less tragic. But it allows me not to be surprised and thrown off and deterred because I'm understanding there's an evil influence in this world. Are you? If we see the world as Jesus taught us, the unseen realities, we'll have an awareness not just of evil's influence in this world, but we'll have an awareness of our own propensity towards evil. 
We'll have an awareness of our own proclivities, of our own natural weaknesses that lead us towards evil. This, this isn't one of those things where we can go, the devil made me do it, because the devil can't make you do anything. The pickpocket couldn't make that guy take his watch off his wrist and hand it to him. It wasn't necessary. That pickpocket just, all he had to do is distract his attention and then that guy was doing things that put him at risk and the same thing is true with us. We make the choices of evil. We do the wrong things, but it's because we allow the influence of the evil one to attack us without recognizing it. But just know this, when I make bad choices, I can't blame the devil. I have to accept responsibility, don't you? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. I actually don't love that verse because the word all. See, the way I like to view the world is you weak punks have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But, you know, I'm above that. The only problem, it's just not true. And there are people who sit in environments like this and hear people like me unfold God's truth and you're seeing it in terms of all the other weak people and all the other needy people and all the other foolish people and you need to know it's you too. All means all and that's all all means for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Every single one of us have been messed up by this evil influence and some of us are so messed up we still don't see it. The Apostle Paul, one of the great people of God throughout the generations, wrote a good portion of the New Testament he saw it in himself. He knew it never changed for him. The only difference in his life was the amount of his life he let Jesus live through. In Romans chapter 7, look what he says, verses 14 and 15. We know that the law is spiritual. God's truth is spiritual. It's good. But I'm unspiritual. I'm not. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I've fallen short. I'm messed up. And he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. And I tell you, I know what that's like. I know it's like to want to do the right thing and to do the wrong thing, don't you? And here's what you need to know about the evil one. One of Satan's greatest powers stems from his awareness of our natural weaknesses. He knows where we're weak. And if we're not aware of him, he's got us. He'll take us down every time. And this helps me because... I'm 59 years old and I keep falling for the same trick. The watch keeps going off my arm and it's like crazy. It's time that I wake up like Peter teaches and you as well. We need to be aware of our own weaknesses. If we really see the unseen realities as Jesus teaches us, we'll, we'll have an awareness of the constant struggle between good and evil. It's a constant struggle. Too often we're surprised by it. I mean, what's the struggle about? Why, why am I having this difficulty in my marriage? You know, it's like, Roxanne and I got married. I'll never forget. We got married. The night we got married, we're driving, you know, to our honeymoon suite. We're on our way. I'm excited. Been a lifetime of waiting for this moment, that kind of thing. And, and, and I, I was just taken with the circumstance. I was taken with my love. I just pledged my entire life to her, and we're driving. And I said, honey... I never want to hurt you. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think that conversation's come back in some things as we've gone through life. Um, but I thought right then, it's like I've got victory over here. I'm in love and that's going to do it. And I forgot there's a constant struggle, right? Between good and bad and... And many of us do that too. We start coming to church or we start following Jesus. We start reading the Bible. We start praying. We start going, woo, you know, I'm good. No, you're not. There's this constant struggle between good and evil. This is why in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us this, verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's strategies, you know, trying to convince you what's good is bad, what's bad is good. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We fight each other. We fight against each other. We go to war against each other, but that's not our battle. Our battle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you know where the real battle is? It's in the realm of the unseen. And you know why we live in defeat so often? It's because all we do is live by what we see. Jesus taught us differently, but we keep living by what we see. When we really do see 
the struggle between good and bad and that we're involved in this war. We'll be ready for the enemy, but if we're not ready, then we'll be taken out without even knowing it, which is where many of us live. When we see, as Jesus taught us to see, the unseen realities, we'll have an awareness, not just of evil's presence and its influence and our weaknesses and how we've fallen, but we'll also have an awareness of this final thought, God's victory over evil and the evil one. And this is where the news is very good. Because it is true that the evil one is real and it is true that he is seeking to divert our attention and mess us up every day. It is true that we have natural weaknesses that he knows and he can take us down. It is true that we've all fallen, we've all been robbed, and we've all messed up. It's all true. But it's also true that God took him down and won the victory when he died on the cross and we don't have to fall anymore. I'm thankful that Apollo gave a TED Talk to teach us how to avoid people like him trying to steal our wallets. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, and stood up, rose from the dead. And he said, you no longer have to fall to sin. You no longer have to live in death. You can live in life. Be alert. Resist him. But we don't. We don't. We keep falling because we don't stay aware. Look at the victory, Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15, since the children have flesh and blood, since we're made up of this flesh and blood thing, he too shared in their humanity, he became flesh and blood so that, this is so important, by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, us, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Yes, we failed. Yes, we've messed up. Yes, we've fallen. Yes, we've allowed him to rob us. But Jesus came and took him down so we'd no longer have to live in that slavery, but we could live above it. God has won the victory, and you need to know it. Stop living your days as if you can't overcome. Stop living your days as if you have to fall. Stop living your days as if you're a failure and always will be a failure. And start looking to Jesus and realizing in him you can overcome this world. It will change everything everything. Look at 1 John chapter 5 verses 4 and 5. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you? I have seen that one of the weaknesses in my Christianity and one of the weaknesses in all of Christianity is that we wake up every day committed to the concept that we're going to fail today. I have people asking me to pray for them all. I know I'm going to sin today. Would you just pray that God, and I'm going to tell you, if you get up saying today I'm going to fail, this I promise you, today you're going to fail. We have to get up and we have to acknowledge I am a failure, I am a sinner, and I have blown it. But then we have to acknowledge the reality that Jesus died on the cross and he put my failures there with him. And in him, I don't have to fail today, I can overcome. Today, I can live the life that Jesus called me to. That's how we need to live. But you'll never do it if you don't stay aware. If you don't see beyond the seen to the unseen. So let me give you this application. If we're going to live the lives that really matter in the end, and if we're going to experience the fulfillment that Jesus has promised us, here's what we have to do. We have to cultivate a constant awareness of evil. Stay aware that he's trying to trip you up. Stay aware that he's trying to take you down. And then develop a belief in your ability to overcome. And remember, your ability doesn't come from your strength, from your wisdom, from your... Uh, gifts. It comes from Jesus. We develop a, an awareness of evil and we develop a faith that's able to trust Jesus to help us to overcome. If that's going to happen, let me just give you a couple of ideas and I hope you'll take these further in your talk, in fact, in your walk this week. In fact, join me for Facebook Live this coming Wednesday and I'd love to go deeper with this with you, but, but let me just tell you, if we're going to cultivate this awareness and the ability to overcome, it starts with the fact that we have to be born of God. We have to be born of God because if we're not born of God, then we're just born of Adam and Eve. And if we're just born of Adam and Eve, guess what we're going to keep doing? We're going to keep falling. In fact, we're never going to get up. We're just going to keep crawling because we've already fallen. 
But if we allow Jesus to make us new, now we can walk again in the garden of God's paradise. Look at, if you would, 1 John 5.18, we know that anyone born of God doesn't continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, speaking of Jesus, and the evil one cannot harm him any longer. You want victory over the evil one? Then turn to the righteous one, Jesus. You've got to be born of God, are you? So many people in this world think they were born Christians. I've heard it. You know, I ask people, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I was born a Christian. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this right now. You've got to listen to me. You were not born a Christian. You might have been born into a family that called themselves Christians, but you were not born a Christian. You were born a person with a propensity to follow Adam and Eve and not Jesus. You were born a sinner, a person who would transgress, and you have, you have fallen short. But the good news is Jesus died, and Jesus was buried, and he rose again, and when you confess your sin and put your hope in him, you're no longer born of Adam and Eve, you're born of Jesus, and you're a new person, and you can live a whole different life. You've got to be born of God, are you? And then once you're born of God, that's not enough. A lot of people go, yeah, I've done that. This is really weird. I'm a pastor. I've been doing this a long time. And I watch your face. You go, I've heard this before. Get to something new. Look, if you're looking for something new, you're going to have to go someplace else because I've only got the Bible and I'm going to keep teaching the Bible, right? But here's the thing. Once you're born of God, you can still fall. Peter did, I have, and you will. The Apostle Paul was writing the Bible and he was saying, you know, and I'm sold to sin. I keep messing up. I keep falling. You've got to wake up. Being born of God is not enough. You have to keep depending on him and looking to him, which is what Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, buddy, you're going to, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times and I'm going to tell you why. Because you think you can stand up the evil one. You've forgotten that he can pick your pocket. And so look what Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the body is weak. Peter's spirit was to fight for Jesus, to stand for Jesus, to love Jesus, not to fall. But you know what Peter did? He fell because his spirit was willing, but his body was weak. He, he didn't think that he had to watch and pray. If we're, going to, if we're going to cultivate an awareness of evil and if we're going to overcome in our faith in Jesus, we have to watch and pray. And here's what I know about me and you. Most of us don't wake up every day and watch and pray. Which is why we fall. But we don't have to. Would you start watching pray? Stop saying, I've done that. I'm good. Me and Jesus are like this. Other people fall, but I'll never fall. I'm awesome. Would you stop living that way? Would you wake up trembling and fearing and going, look at, I'm a failure and he'll take me down, but Jesus is the victor and in him I can stand. I'm gonna watch and pray. Start living your life differently. I, I love it when people tell me, oh, your love for Jesus and your religion's just a crutch. Absolutely, because I want to walk, and without the crutch of Jesus, I can't walk. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus isn't a crutch. He's my legs. He's my arms. He's my heart. He's my life. He's everything I need. And you'll never live. You'll never live until you have him, because you are only going to be the product of your own failure. But in him, you can be the product of his redemption. We've got to watch and pray. If we're going to really cultivate this awareness and ability to overcome, we have to. And I'm going to put these two things together. They're two big things. I'll put them together. We must submit to God and we must resist the devil. We must submit to God and we must resist the devil. I mean, we've got to do them both. Submit to God and resist the devil. Look at James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know what too often I do in the morning? Too often in the morning I go, you know God, this is your day. You know, I wanna serve you, I wanna be good, I wanna do great stuff, I wanna be awesome, I, you know, I want this, and I'd love it if you granted me a couple of wishes. I rub the lamp and I do all this stuff in the morning, I'm submitting to God, right? And then I walk into my day, having done my duty, and then the evil one comes with his temptation and his influence and he tries to pick my pocket and you know what I do? I'm unaware and so I fall. Because it's not enough to submit to God and read the Bible and do your devotions and go to church and sing your songs and listen to the right radio station and know all the stuff. 
You submit to God and you resist the devil. And the only way you'll ever resist the devil on a daily basis is you're aware of the devil on a daily basis trying to take you down. Submit to God and resist the devil. And you know what he does? He flees from you. You don't fall. He flees. And that's what changes the world right there. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Make him run. I'm telling you, there's nothing more fun than watching him run. But just know this, he runs away and he runs right back again. So you have to submit to God again and resist the devil again. This is the pathway. This is the process. Are you living it? And finally, look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth. He's talking about when we're young, we have no natural discipline. We have no natural observation. And we're, we just pursue what we see, what we feel, what we want. That's what we do when we're young. You know what's sad? Many of us are 90 and we're still doing what we did when we were young, right? He says, flee the evil desires of your youth and instead make this choice to pursue righteousness, God's goodness, what's good, not what's bad. Pursue faith that's living for the unseen, not the seen, trusting in him. Pursue love and peace along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, once we've been born of God and once we watch and pray and once we submit to God and resist the devil, we have one last thing we need to do. We have to make the choice to pursue positive things. We have to make the choice to pursue positive things. You know what too many of us keep doing? We keep pursuing what we want. You know what Eve's problem was? Yeah, she was tempted. She wasn't aware and all that stuff. But you know what? She started pursuing the negative thing what she could get when she ate from the wrong tree, what she could get if she did the wrong thing, what she could get, what she was missing if she didn't. And I'm telling you, too many of us are this. We keep wanting to chase our feelings, our natural instincts, our natural proclivities. We keep trying to chase these things, thinking that if we could just do those things, everything will be okay. We're going to become everything that we want to become if we do this and we're wrong. We have to start pursuing positive things. And the positive things are not the things that Satan says, are good, but the things that God says are good. We need to start pursuing them, are you? Our lives don't have to be lived in failure and defeat and darkness, but we have to understand we're in a world where failure and defeat and darkness are most people's reality because they're under the influence of the evil one, but in Jesus we can break free. And I'm begging you, I'm begging you. Break free. Break free. Put your faith in Jesus and let him take you to places you'd never go on your own. So just before I bring this talk to an end, would you, would you just be willing to pray with me just for a moment? Would you just, and I hope, you, would you stay with me in this moment, pray with me in this moment? And if you're already a person who knows Jesus, you've been born of God, you're still wrestling with stuff just like Peter, just like I do. Would you talk to him about stuff? But if you're here and you've never experienced Jesus making you new, would you pray with me? Take my prayer and make it the expression of your heart to God. Just say, Jesus, today I'm stepping into the unseen. I believe in you, that you died on the cross for my sin to destroy the work of the devil in my life and that you rose again. And so I'm confessing my sin, my guilt, and I'm putting my trust and faith in you. And I'm asking you to make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I give you this final thought and send you on your way, if you prayed with me, would you please let me know? I really do want to give you a Bible and give you some next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. I just need to know you prayed with me. We make it really, really easy. We give you a program. If you're in Celine, if you're in Brighton, if you're in Gross Eel or here in Plymouth, all you have to do is take this thing out and on the inside is the thing we call connection card. Just fill it out and check the box that says you prayed for the first time to receive Jesus or you renewed your faith. And then throw it in the box. At every exit, there's a box from all of our campus auditoriums and we'll send you that Bible and those next steps. And if you're watching online, hit the what next step button and we'll do the same exact thing for you. I also want to encourage you, this week, we've been doing it uh, every Wednesday at 12.15 and someone came to me and they, they messed with my head and they said, why aren't you doing it at 12.16? And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. 
And so this week, I'm sorry, we're not going to start at 12.15. We're going to start at 12.16 to emphasize the 16 words. But Wednesday, 12.16, go to Facebook and search for Pastor Brad Powell, and I'll be live at 12.16 on Wednesday, and we'll go deeper with this. And I hope you'll tell everybody about it, and I hope you'll like and follow the page so it comes up live. And last but not least, we have a prayer team that meets up front in all of our campuses. And if you're wrestling with something, if you'd like to pray with someone or talk to someone about something, you come forward after the service is over. They'd be glad to talk to you, okay? But here's, here's the challenge I want to give you as we end. This week, let's remember two unseen things, okay? It's not too many. Let's remember two unseen things. The devil's real and trying to take us down. But Jesus is real too and has the power to lift us up and help us to overcome. And so all we have to do this week is submit to Jesus and resist the devil. Submit to Jesus and resist evil. And if we do, this week, instead of letting Satan rob us of everything God intends for us, We'll experience the promises of God through not the one who came to rob us, but the one who came to redeem us. And if we do, it'll be a great week. Which means that next week we'll come and we'll do what we always do every week at Northridge. We'll worship a great God, but we'll do it as people who had a great week because Satan didn't pick our pockets this week. We stayed aware. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.